0: we played a bit of swapsies today, so Jez is over in Eastbourne, so it's yes. my great privilege to invite Graham to yeah. come and give us the word this morning. Well. well, good morning. Three venues, one in the Hammond Park, which a number of you would have been to in the recent days and recent weeks and months. We have one down in the town centre of Eastbourne in the very uh, vintage, vintage theatre. Vintage sounds cool. Uh, shabby chic theatre, more chic. No more shabby than chic. And uh, we're, uh, across here in Seaford as well. So it is good to be with you. I'm excited that Simon, who is uh, his family part of Eastbourne, live in Seaford. Okay, And uh, the group that they are leading, uh, I really recommend that. So uh, sign in and uh, be part of it. If nothing else, for the wine and the hospitality. Okay, they are this journey of generosity is something that actually Simon and Jerry have been living and they've been on this journey and actually it would be good to join them on the journey, especially as some major decisions uh, that have been made at the moment, If uh, a number of you came on Thursday night, thank you so much, that was the kind of like the vision Night for the next five years in the life of kings and there was actually some significant announcements made on Thursday night Probably the most significant in the sense for you guys here in Seaford, was this possibility that uh, uh, do you look actually, at, a, at the moment you a site of King's Church, do you look at actually becoming in a way more autonomous, more independent, still part of the family, you know, not, you know do we grow a family rather than just, you know, rather than the one church in many locations, do you become your own church? in relationship, in the family, looking at the family name and um, be part of family, not not independent in the sense of doing your own thing and that's it, We you were striking out in kind of like, oh, we can do it. But actually, no, we can do this because this is actually the best way of connecting and reaching this community that you're a part of. You know, see for 24,000 people, New Haven uh, on, on the doorstep of here, many more thousand people. Is how do, how, what is the best way? And this, Group of people who've been around for six years now in this town, and it's a little bit like I said to Glenda at the start. I said, "All the children are being very calm today," and that was almost like the trigger. Okay, that was the trigger at that moment when suddenly they were like slithering around, and uh, you know it was quite humorous at the moment. But there comes a point in in a child's life when parents pretty much dictate what a child does until the children start to grow. And sometimes it can be a little bit of a fr- fr- friction because children kind of want to make up their own mind in terms of what it is. But it's actually a positive thing where a child moves towards independence. You know, it brings security, it brings a confidence. And actually, this has been around, kings here and secret have been around six years. And, it's almost like up to this point there's been a, a strong dictating of what this should be like. And it almost feels as if it now needs to move into a place where you can make decisions yourself. I described it the other night on Thursday with, with Jez. It's almost like, uh, not with Jez, but, 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 but as a parent you, you choose what clothes the child is wearing. And there comes a point where the child says, actually I don't want to wear those clothes. I want to choose my own clothes. And uh, Jez quite likes the imagery that he's now allowed to choose his own clothes. Maybe, okay, I'm not totally sure. But uh, maybe there's this point that he can, and with you guys, make their own decisions. And that's a big decision. That, that is good, but it's actually a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth. Uh, you look in any church, like a church is like a, a baby. You, you look in a baby for signs of growth. You know, in the early days, you know, new baby here, Okay. Uh, Adam Oliver and uh, Adam you, you look for signs of you know firstly is the baby still alive which is you know as it survive is the baby surviving is the baby growing as it put on an ounce a pound or you know what, it's, what is it, what is its length in the early days those are actually really important things but over time they become actually less critical what how are they developing how are they growing how are they Uh, what senses and how are they and it's a little bit like that with church six years ago it's like can we survive (laughs) and you've survived Okay. what are the signs of maturity? And actually independence and making your own decisions are part of that. And, and so we're exploring that. So while the uh, leadership team, there was 10 of us, went away uh, a week ago. Great time. Jez, Amy, clearly very much a part of that. And there was like a 24-hour period that we felt as if God just speak to us on, with clarity clarity with on, on a number of issues one of those let's explore this idea part of that decision which Jez is in enthusiasm has already put an offer in and bought and moved in uh, is is kind of like the opportunity of if you're going to set up where you're going to live what's your home going to be and, and one of those explorations is uh, the Methodist building down in Stain Road where You'll be aware of the story that they're looking to combine and move up to the Clinton Centre, and uh, which leaves this building empty. They need to, in a way, get as much possible money for that building because they need to develop the Clinton Centre. And we're going, but we don't have all that money. And uh, you know, so there's kind of like in that discussion stage, I mean, they could just sell it to developers and, and knock it down or build flats within it, but we're just exploring that idea, or Jez is exploring. But, it, but in a way, because of the first decision, it kind of comes really down to you guys and the faith that you've got. It's so where you've got the courage? Is this time? So there is an amazing there. There is opportunity, and actually, if that isn't the right place, God, please make it clear. Okay, show us what it. Where is the home? You know. When young couples set out, they, they, they might look at five, six, ten houses before they find this is the right one. We, we don't know. But, but it's part of that same process. If the decision is made to say, come on, in, in a way we're leaving home, in a good way, leaving home in a good way. But it's working out then where is home going to be. Still very much part of the family, still come back at Christmas. Birthdays, you'll still expect a birthday present. I understand that, okay. But you kind of want to grow. And the best way to grow is actually probably, in a way, outside the enclosed nest. And the decisions, which I know Jez wrote out a letter last week, which will have landed on many doorsteps this week. And uh, you're thinking about it, you're praying about it. And uh, the big decision is actually, do you go alone? The secondary decision is, do you have the courage to go for building? And uh, what is God saying in that? So we're very much a part of the story. We haven't suddenly said, right, that's it, you're off, you're out of here. You know, like the prodigal son who just said, give me my inheritance and cleared off and squandered it all. I don't see that. Uh, I see this is a very positive, maturing process of this group of people here. What is the best way to move forward? So please respond to Jez. If anyone has got any of those uh, letters that you want me to hand across to him, I'm very happy to do that. I will not take any percentage cut in whatever you've written on that. And, uh, you know, all of, uh, in terms of the letter, you know, I will happily pass it on or put it into the offering buckets or hand it, you know, that's fine. And what he's just trying to gather at this point is, is, is what is the feel in the room and what do you think about that? So it's uh, exciting days. Okay, I think uh, God has been speaking to us. I think uh, across into Eastbourne as well that we feel a real clarity about a number of issues which are impacted in terms of how we looking at using our resources and looking at the leadership there's been a couple of leadership switches that we've uh, we've just announced as well so it's you know it's exciting days because we want to step into everything that we believe god has got for us okay so in that context we need the helper uh, this is the current teaching series called the helper which is uh, the life and work and influence and impact and power of the holy spirit in our life and uh, if you're looking in at what Christianity is about, you know, some of you might go, what, is it good news? Is Christianity good? I'm not too sure. Uh, last week when we were speaking in Eastbourne, there was a number of people, increasingly actually, seems to be a number of people coming in, into, uh, certainly into Hammond Park, where I'm probably more connected with. It, it's that just I've got no history of background whatsoever with Christianity. Uh, I know a friend who became a Christian, so I, oops, sorry, so I thought I would check it out. And uh, I will have a look at what Christianity is about, and some of you might be in that position. And you go, do you know what, something appeals about it, but I couldn't really live like that. I couldn't do what they do. I couldn't live like my friend has lived. I, I just don't, you know, I, I like my life too much. I kind of like, I'm, there's a lifestyle, which, I, you know, I just could not do it. Well, the good news is, let me just reassure you, that actually there's a promise of God to say you can have the helper helping. You don't have to do it on your own. And so actually this is a really relevant message if, even if you don't have a faith. Because if there is a God, then God isn't just going to abandon you. God is saying, you know, good, good decision, good choice. Now let me help you. Now if you're new to faith, like you might have been a Christian a little while, only a short while, and you go, and go oh, I find it so hard. You ah, know, like, oh, I don't know. I love the idea of Jesus, and I love, oh, forgiveness, and I love the fresh start, and I love life and all of that. But, oh, God, I find it really hard. The helper. We need to connect you with the helper. And some of you have been Christians, like, for about, hundred years, nearly. And and you go, uh, and do you know what happens with people who have been Christians a long time? They just go around the circle. I can do this on my own. I'm kind of like self-sufficient. You need the helper. I need to remind myself. It's actually why it's a really good series to be doing at the moment. Because it reminds people like me who can get into the habit of, I know how to be a Christian. I need the helper in my life. I need the work of the Holy spirit. I, um, I bought a new phone the other week. My son was keen about uh, me upgrading on the basis that he got the cast off. And uh, uh, funnily enough, and the new one has arrived and it's broken. But, uh, which, as far as analogies go,es isn't very good when we come to the helper. But, they, but I tried to ring up about a contract and they kept offering me new things. Okay, yeah, I'm looking to upgrade. I'm upgraded for about three years. Oh, we can offer you this. We can offer you this. We can offer you this. And then on the side, this. And then we can add this to the bundle and this to the bundle. And oh, and your son and your daughter. Oh, we can add SIM cards in for them as well. And suddenly all this bundle. Look, the work and life and person of the Holy Spirit isn't an add-on to the bundle. This is part of the basic need. The basic package is that we need the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, Amy mentioned about the groups. The groups is great. Connect in some way. If it's not generosity or prayer, just connect somewhere in the life of a group. It really is important. A number of people that we meet says, I don't know where I fit in the life of church. In a group. That, that is a brilliant place to find because you commit yourself in, you sense of belonging, sense of purpose, sense of whatever it is, your particular style, have a look, sign up, be a part of it. And, and, but as a church community, we run a number of events, one called Rooted, which is looking at uh, you know, the values and vision and how you fit into the life of the church. And then we have another one called Alpha, which is really for people who are checking out what Christianity is about. And then we have this other one uh, called Freedom, which uh, my wife heads up, a number of you have been a part of. And, and this is looking back over kind of like, the, 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 I don't know whether you're like me, that we can carry a huge amount of baggage in our life, history. Circumstances, experience, and it kind of like can really overshadow the freedom. Christ has promises freedom, and the history and background and circumstances and choices and decisions that we make can absolutely overshadow where we're at, and influences. and It's all great that I've got a new life in Jesus, but it don't really feel like a new life. It feels that you know, oh, it's great to intellectually understand that i've been forgiven by god but actually in my heart in my emotion in my inner being i don't really feel forgiven i don't really feel I, I still feel ashamed i feel i still feel that sense of of guilt and anxiety that goes with that so the freedom course is actually brilliant at just pointing people towards not just truth but an encounter of god to walk in the good of that truth the freedom of that truth and, and it's a little awkward sometimes because we have some remarkable stories, but we can't always promote those stories because of the sensitive nature of those stories. So we'd be sensitive. But on occasions, we ask for permission to share some stories. And a little while ago, uh, probably a couple of years ago now, that there was a, a lady who had gone through the freedom, of course, freed for purpose, and eight, nine weeks. And then there's always this encouragement for those who want to, to have, uh, I guess it's called a prayer appointment, uh, just to be with a couple of people. Let's just pray some of these th- key steps really areas in your life and this lady came she'd been there uh, you know all the weeks really necessarily connected and just started to talk through it. and then to pray through and just started to share some stuff and as it came out and this lady was saying look I've, I've, I've had like a serious eating issue eating disorder issue for quite a long time I, i've got bulimia okay so okay so she was presenting with those kind of images but uh, those not images sorry those Kind of difficulties, but then it came up into discussion as the conversation went on. She started to unravel some of life story. And when she was younger, I think it was even as as young as was it early teens. I'm, I can't. I'm looking to believe these it. She witnessed her dad kill her mum. <laughs> now you imagine, as far as life experiences go, that's going to have a major impact. So she lost her mum, she died. And dad was immediately imprisoned for murder. So you had to leave that environment and then go and live with other family relatives. And that was incredibly tough as well. And see, you kind of like, oh, you know, the impact, the effect upon that. And then she started to tell some other stories about some decisions that she had made in life. That she really regretted. One of those decisions was that she decided to end, terminate a pregnancy. And she was convinced at that point that God would never forgive her. So ashamed of that decision. God would never forgive her. She would never have children. She would never have a marriage, never have have kids. Because that would be God's way of saying, "You, you are being punished. So, uh, Belinda and another lady were just praying with her. <laughs> what do you do with that? God, we need you to, you know. And then she sat there, and then after a while, Belinda kind of said, anything happening? And the lady just looked and said, I've got the words here, I have never known such unconditional love. And that's the Father revealing, being revealed. That's the helper right there. That's the helper right there. In that moment, the helper is revealing the Father. Galatians chapter 3 says this. Hopefully it will come up. In Christ's family, <laughs> there can be no division into Jew and into non-Jew, slave and free, male and female, among us, you are all equal. I love the Bible verses that were both read out earlier by John and Paul. You know, you're already in. Okay? That was the message translation. You're already in. Okay, and then in the second passage, you were one time not a people, but now you are God's people. We're in. Okay. Uh, that is, we're all in common relationship with Jesus. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you're Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises just before we carry on let's just pause there a moment I have a nephew but he's not a real nephew he's kind of like a a pretend fake nephew because he's my brother's fiance's son so we have to ask the question what do we do at Christmas with fake nephew (laughs) we don't call him that he does have a name after all, he's not a real nephew. Does he get the ten pound Marks and Spencer's voucher to buy the slippers like all the other nieces and nephews? To be honest, we have a great deal this morning. I managed to buy some this year, sorry, we've got some BHS vouchers cheap on eBay. <laughs> does he get included in? Of course he does. Why? Because he's now been included. He's now in. He's in. <laughs> Right, Abby, you're out. Been tagged out. Now has been included in. It's called Stuart. Stuart is now in on the family. Full entitlement. Does he feel awkward? Well, he might well feel awkward if he doesn't feel accepted, if he doesn't feel qualified, if he doesn't feel entitled. My observation is that many Christians don't feel entitled, don't feel qualified, and don't feel accepted, either by others or certainly by God. And many will feel fraudulent, and some of you will. Many will feel ashamed, as some of you might. And many of you will disqualified and feel undeserving. You're not real children of God. You kind of like got in, but a bit of a fake. Let's carry on Galatians 4. When we say incident it's kind of a bit confusing. It, th- there was an early church leader called Paul. Okay? He'd had this dramatic encounter with Jesus. He, he was into persecuting Christians. He just didn't like Christians at all. And then he had this remarkable encounter. You know, Jesus, it's, wow, he just just completely changed in, an, in a moment. And then he, instead of being a persecutor of Christianity, he actually started to promote <laughs> Christianity and he went all over the place promoting and, and he, wherever he went he set up these little communities called churches and then he started to write out to you know today you know it's the equivalent of the social media he would write out to these places and one of those places was in a place called Galatia okay so when we say Galatia this is really just a letter and he said this let me show you the implications of this as long as the heir is a child or a minor He has no advantage over the slave, though legally he owns the entire inheritance. He is subject to tutors and administrators until whatever date the father has set for the emancipation or the release or for him to come into the inheritance. That is the way it is with us. When we were minors or when we were children, we were just like the slaves ordered around by the simple instructions, the tutors, the administrators of this world, with no say in the conduct of our lives. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son. Born among us of a woman, Mary, born under the conditions of the law so that he might redeem or that he might release or pay the price for those who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son, the helper, into our lives crying, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but now a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. No longer a slave, but you're a child. How can you self-assure? Because the help of the Holy Spirit confirms with our spirit, our inner being, that we're now children of God. And what we need to do is not just to intellectually head-knowledge it, that has to transfer us somehow into who we are to understand that we're children of God. That's why we need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the helper. Because if some of us feel like we're a fraud, or if some of us feel that we're undeserving, because your head might say, Yeah, you're fully accepted, you're included, but you're, you're kind of like you're, who you are says, You know, I don't actually really believe it. And maybe your lifestyle doesn't really show it. And maybe you're still being dictated to by fears. Or maybe you are hiding from people or running from situations or living in insecurity, heightened uncertainty and maybe because of your past experiences are still overshadowing your present life you don't feel so much like a child of God, you feel more like an orphan. So your experience may have been one of abandonment, may have been one of rejection, it may be one of loneliness, worthlessness. That might lead to a heightened insecurity or a a hypersensitivity. It might lead to some of you striving in order to kind of like gain approval. What you need is help. (laughs) You need a therapist. You need a counsellor. You need a helper. A helper to come and help you. This is what the Bible says in the extended 12 inch version of the Bible called the Amplified Bible. It says this But the Helper, Jesus said, the Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, the Strengthener, the Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. The Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, the Strengthener—the Holy Spirit. He will help you. <laughs> That's the title, the Helper. A few years back, we, uh, much to our delight, we found that we had fifty-one thousand pounds in our bank account. Turns out, it wasn't ours. No surprise. But we thought for a moment, that's nice. <laughs> but even though it's in our account, being placed there in error, I could not spend it because I had no claim to it. Uh, a few months ago, March of this year, there was a, a, a lady, it was a grandma. She should know better being a grandma. She made a claim to lotto, a lottery, to say that she had the winning ticket of a £33 million win, and she'd put her ticket through the washing machine. Turns out she was a fraud and she wasn't entitled to it at all in 2012 though a £64 million million lottery ticket went completely unclaimed somebody had bought the ticket but never received what was entitled legally entitled they had it at some point in their hand (laughs) it was theirs for the taking they were legally entitled, they were fully qualified, but they never enjoyed it. We have not made up the claim to be children of God. That's been handed to us by Jesus. And the inheritance that comes with it, or the promises that come with it, the joy, the pleasure, or the, the security, or the acceptance, or the knowledge that we are eternally loved, that we are now being adopted as his as his children, that now needs to be claimed by us. Look, we, 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 have, we have the ticket in the pocket. We have the words. What we now need to do is cash in on that. I don't deserve it. Nope. I've not earned it. No, that's right, you haven't. I'm not good enough. Nope, you're not. Martin started off this morning by saying, or words up to the effect that you might not feel as if you should be where you're in the right place. You might not feel as if you deserve to be. No, that's right. We don't deserve this. (laughs) But we can enjoy it. Because Jesus has given us the right to enjoy it. He's given that to us. So Paul, who I mentioned before, who wrote to the church in Galatia, he wrote to the church in the city of Rome, and he said this: this, resurre- sorry, this resurrection life you receive from God is not timid, not a grave-tending life; it's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike "What's next, Papa?" God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is. And we know who we are, father and children. We know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. There's the promise. That's the words in the pocket. An unbelievable inheritance. How do we know? Because the Holy Spirit, the helper, acts as a guarantee. Paul, again, wrote to another church in the city of Ephesus, major influential city in the day, a couple of thousand years back. And he said this, the Holy Spirit, the helper, works, acts as a guarantee of our future inheritance. What does it mean? What does it mean to to act as a guarantee? It says this, the Holy Spirit acts as, as seals in. We're sealed in by the Holy Spirit, acting as a guarantee. And if you seal something, it could have like, I suppose one of three meanings. To, to seal something in, it's a bit like if you go to the bank with your huge wads of money, all your five-pound notes, and, and, and you go and so say, please, can you put this into the safe? And they put a code in there, and then they put, open it up, and they put it in, and they lock it, and they seal it in. Why? So no one else can access it, and, and, and it can't be taken out. It's locked in. So the Holy Spirit works in our life kind of like locking in the faith and cannot be unlocked. You know, I was chatting to a young guy at the end of last week. He said, I just don't know whether I'm a Christian. He said, you know, I kind of want to live for God, but, but I don't know because I, I, get, I make mistakes in my life and I just don't know whether I have faith. And he said, let me assure you. If you have even got an inclination to want to live how God wants you to live, then that's kind of a sign, it's, it's, it's a demonstration that, that you're wanting to please God, even if you kind of mess up and make mistakes. Look, if you have made decisions and if Christ has come into your life at one time, that cannot now be taken away. The faith cannot be unlocked. You cannot lose that faith. It's been sealed in. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has locked it in. It's also a sign of authenticity, and if you like those period dramas and letters get sent from one major house to another major house, and they, and they melt the wax onto the letter, and then they put their seal into it. They put, their, they put their stamp onto it. That is signifying authenticity and authority. It's another way of looking at the word seal. And so if we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit, look, what he has said is authentic, it's genuine, it needs to be taken seriously, and it carries significant weight. Another way of looking at the word seal is if, if you... I don't know, some of you might own cattle. Ah, some of you are very involved in cattle. Okay, Some of you got attacked by one recently. and John at the back has got the scars on his face, branded by the cow. But reverse it the way around. If you look at a cow and it's been kind of like tattooed on its ears or in the old days it was sealed in, it's kind of like it's a mark of ownership. You know who this cow belongs to. No one can come along and go, that's my cow. No, it's not. Look, it's got the branding on it. It's been sealed. It's mine. It's an authentic, that is, my cow. And if we've been sealed, tattooed, we've been sealed owned, ownership. You're my child. And if the enemy, you know, it's like a song which, you know, the enemy comes to tempt us and to despair. You go, you know, the, the enemy comes in, all these whisperings out here to say, you're not special, you're not a child of God, you, you, don't, don't be stupid. Look, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to connect with you today to say, look, you are a child of God, branded, sealed, can't be disputed. Look, look, look at the tattoo on your ear. <laughs> look, you, you're my child. Our adoption can never be challenged. His approval is guaranteed. Our salvation is secure. Our sonship is eternal. And that's the promise and that's the inheritance. How can I believe this? The work of the helper. So it's a deep, if there's deep insecurity, if there's deep uncertainty, if there's this lifestyle of running or a lifestyle of hiding or trying to just bring, get approval from other people or to try and gain some kind of attention, listen. The Holy Spirit just wants to confirm something to you. they are already approved. Because your approval is by Jesus. You've already accepted. You don't need to kind of try to work it up to gain acceptance or approval. Why? Because you already have it. But I don't feel it. No, that's why you need the helper. Because his spirit will connect with your spirit. To help you understand that you're his child. It also describes the work of the Holy Spirit. Acting as a guarantee to underwrite the claims of God. Backs up the claims of God. So if you buy a tin of paint or a tin of. I don't know. Something that you shove you your you've fence. or five years. It does what it says on the tin. It will last for five years. And if in four years time your fence is going rotten. You've got every right to go marching up to Sheffield, where Ron Seale are based, and say, I demand my money back. Because you say, five years, and it's only been four years, because there's a guarantee. It backs up the claims. And the work of the Holy Spirit backs up the claims of God, It's guaranteed. What he has said you can rely. Receiving the Spirit you can be confident in. But a guarantee also acts as a down payment, as a deposit. You kind of like you want to go and buy a house or you want to go and buy a holiday or a car. You, your deposit will secure it, okay? A down payment. You, know, you might go, okay, how much deposit? Oh, I'll put 10%. Great. That has secured that car now. And at some point in the future, you can return with the rest of the money because you have put a deposit on it. The, the work of the Holy Spirit is also kind of described like a deposit being placed. In us, we have been deposited in our life the Holy Spirit, which acts as a guarantee that one day we'll get it all. Down payment convinces. The rest will follow. For now, you get a taste of joy. You get the peace. You get the freedom. You kind of like you get the life. But To be honest, it's an overture of what is to come. One day, we'll get everything. And do you know what? He guarantees it. See, the enemy's number one central purpose, I reckon, is to separate us from the Father. He uses neglect to whisper, see, no one cares. You're not worth caring about. He uses sudden loss of innocence to whisper, you're all alone now, you've been abandoned. And in this way, it makes it nearly impossible for us to know what Jesus do. It makes it very difficult to understand the Father's heart towards us. But the good news is that Jesus came to reveal the Father. He says that, actually. In the Gospel of John, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. and He did that, actually, a lot of times he would tell stories. And one of those key stories that he told was of, of a dad who had two sons, and one of the sons kind of wanted to squander all of the inheritance. I mentioned before, known as the prodigal son, the kind of the wayward son. The wayward son went off, blew all his inheritance. Then one day the son thought, "This is madness. I want to go back." He, he, even my father's like kind of servants at home are living better than me i'm going to turn around i'm going to go back and i'm going to apologize i'm going to say sorry perhaps i can work as one of the servants and so he eventually turns around his life starts walking back home well he did not realize that his father was there watching out for the son and he was looking kind of every day looking to see the son return home and then he sees the son and it says of the father remember jesus Reflecting of the Father, it's revealing. He says, look, the Father, which in this story is talking about God the Father, he was there looking on, waiting, waiting, see his son in the distance, runs to his son, embraces his son, kisses his son, takes a robe and places the uh, cloak upon his son to cover his shame and humiliation. Places a ring upon his finger to say, look, you belong. Jesus came to reveal the Father. The Father who's waiting, watching, looking. The Father who runs to us. The Father who wants to cover our shame. The Father who places a ring upon us to say, you are owned. You you, you belong. We're we're in this together. You belong here. Hmm. Look at the affection. Look at the love. And it's that affection and that love and that Relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to make known to us. Feel abandoned, rejected, lonely, hopeless, worthless, insecure, hypersensitive, fearful, mistrusting, hiding, escaping, striving. You need to know the Father, Heavenly Father. Some of you don't know the Heavenly Father. Remember some that has been completely. An the ability to understand the Father like this is, may well have been destroyed because of your own experience. But the Holy Spirit now wants to speak. You need to know the Father. Made in the Son, revealed by the Spirit, and we need to ask Him to come and help. And so the lady who presented herself with eating disorders and bulimia and horrendous background and history, prayed, never felt such unconditional love. Blinda caught up with her about a month later and said, how's it going? Obviously, she kind of like said a lot and made herself incredibly vulnerable. And, and she said, no, it's going good. It's good. Almost as a throwaway, Blinda said, oh, by the way, how's the, how's the eating? How's the bulimia? I said, oh, that's all sorted. It's not a problem anymore. It's the helper at work. She went on, actually. And now she's happily married and she's got two little children. The very thing that she thought she would never have. Because God was going to punish her. Just got an understanding of the unconditional love of the Father. And just at the hunger prayer events a few weeks ago, the third evening. And we knew that we were going to be breaking bread together on that night. Um, Breaking bread is this thing that Christians do to remember what Jesus did on the cross. And the night that Jesus was betrayed by his followers, or Judas, who betrayed him to the authorities, Jesus said, look, he took all the bread, he took all the wine, and he got the bread, and he broke the bread, and he said, look, I want you to eat this bread now. Remember, this is like my body, which is broken for you. And this juice that is here, this wine, drink this wine. It it's like represents my blood. My blood is going to get spilled for you, but this blood is a promise of a better day. This blood is a promise of a new covenant. New deal. Drink it, eat it, remember me. So we were going to eat and drink and remember Jesus. And on the last night of the three nights, and uh, there's another lady who is a horrendous, difficult background, horrible. And as as networking of that, issues of eating are massive for her also. Anorexia, very seriously impacted, and. You know, So even the breaking of the bread was going to be a massive challenge. But she just felt as if God said to her, it's time. It's time. And so she came with the expectation that she was actually going to break bread that night. And then the moment came when worship was happening, and come forward, you know, grab some of the bread, take the juices back, and she could not do it. And she felt awful. She felt guilty. Messed up. And it's at a point that a member of the church came up and Got a little cup of juice stuff and got some bread and went to her and sat with her and just said, It's time. Use the same words. Do you know what happened in that moment? That's the work of the Spirit. Revealing the Father's heart. And some of us need to know it's time. Let's stand together. And Sarah, too. We've only got a few minutes left. And for some of us, kind of like, yeah, it's great. I, yeah, I, I like Jesus, he's good. But for some of us, I you know, it, it's not all going to be done right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking for some in the next five minutes and that's it, sorted. But it's just something about Father, I pray now. Just as we come in and sing this song and that you Lord come and reveal by your Holy Spirit the love of the Father because some of us need to hear this morning that it's time it's time to accept it's time to forgive ourselves it's time to not feel disqualified it's time to feel that we are in as legitimate children of God Even that word is that some of us feel illegitimate. Some of us even have that stamped over our lives, illegitimacy. And you've had it thrown at you. And you've had the shame of that. And you've had that thrown at you. But you are illegitimate. and you were never wanted and the Holy Spirit the helper wants to come and reveal the heavenly father to you you may never have known your earthly father that's been kept secret and it has pained you Holy Spirit, we pray that you come re- reveal the Father's heart to us. It's time. Come running for us, looking for us. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we ask in these days now, not just in these moments, but in these days, that you keep speaking to us, revealing your love. Let's sing this song together.